go. <laughs> Illegal Pete's <laughs> is Denver's home for the best burritos, tacos, nachos, and so much more. And Illegal Pete's is offering the DNVR family an incredible deal. If you guys are heading to any game or any events, stop by Illegal Pete's before or after you go. The same day of your event, all you have to do is show them your ticket and you will get a free draft beer or free margarita with the purchase of a full-sized entree. They don't have to win. They don't have to lose doesn't have to even be a sporting event it can be a concert just bring your ticket and illegal pizza has you covered at one of their nine locations six denver two in boulder and one in fort collins swing by and pick up whatever you want from illegal pizza after any event and cole gets another good righty and another right by cole a left by cole this time tipped in front by mika rentinen Shoots and scars! Nathan McKinnon! Call JT Comfer! 877 goes now! Gabriel Landeskog! Collective hugs! 29 and 92! Save me by Grubauer! Move over, Picasso! This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious! <laughs> Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. They have over a thousand different varieties of beer, as well as wine and liquors from around the world for you to try. Get on it while you still can at either of their two convenient locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch. I am Rudo. He's AJ Hayfley. I vote that we start every single show with you just yelling a word now, AJ. That's my vote. <laughs> I like I like because I try and time it so that I do it right before you actually start. Yeah, and half the time I've already started. Yeah, and it's like it'll catch like half of it. <laughs> Whatever. It's just nonsense. Well, tonight is going to be another hype cast, I do believe, as currently the Nuggets are up by about 30 on the Portland Trailblazers, first of all. But more importantly, the Avs completely dismantled the Buffalo Sabres 6-1 to in a game that was honestly never close. The second the Avs got their first goal, they never looked back. And they were led by their second line of mostly Burakovsky, I think, really took the reins, but Kadri and Nachushkin, very, very strong games as well. This is what we've talked about a lot this year, and the Avs are just extremely tough to beat when that second line is rolling. Yeah, that second line was dominant tonight. To the to the point where, like, if you'd never watched an Avs game before and you turned this one on, you'd have been like, huh. Huh. That's not a second line at all. Who are these guys? <laughs> are these guys the best in the NHL? <laughs> it's... It's just such a big step for the Avs when they are getting that type of production. And obviously, you're not going to get four points out of Burakovsky every night. Everyone on that second line had a multi-point night. That's not going to happen on the regular. But again, this is a five-game point streak now for Burakovsky. You've got Nachushkin pitching in a couple points here and there again. He'd been on a bit of a cold stretch. And now you have Kadri firing pucks into the net as well. And Nathan McKinnon has one point in the last two games. Burakovsky has six, so 
we kind of talked about that on the McKinnon side as well, right? He's carried this team through the first half. Mm -hmm. It's time for these guys to carry the load. <clears throat> Come on with this cough. Are you kidding me? This happened earlier today when I was talking to Drew about movies. I don't know what it is, man. You're my allergic to podcasts, AJ. I, dude, I'm starting to wonder if I have an allergy to my microphone. <laughs> because this doesn't happen when I'm in the office. And uh, it doesn't happen when I'm on the road using a different mic. But when I'm here, it's like all it wants me to do is like cough into this stupid spit screen. Anyway, that second line, man, uh, if they... This, this is what makes the Avalanche so scary in their current form is that the top line has an okay night. You know, they get a goal and like, that's all good and well, but like the game was five to one. That goal didn't do anything. Um, yeah. Oh, I mean, all it did was make Miko Rantanen's dad, like super duper excited, which was very <laughs> fun to watch. That blazer was dope, by the way. I want one. Oh, oh, what is, what is with the, the abs being like a team of male models? And then apparently, their their parents their lineage like super sharp dressers i'm saying because those blazers were awesome i would definitely not wear one in public but i would love to own them <laughs> i just don't think i could pull that off but they they were super cool I mean that's my secret. I know I can't pull anything off, so just commit to the bit. This is why this is why you and I are like, oh, shorts and a t shirt. It's fine. Right. Exactly. Like, what's wrong with that? And yeah, it's our significant others are like, oh, come on, really? <laughs> but you know, that's life. Um, but no, the this is this is like getting back to it. This is what makes them scary. That top line doesn't really do anything. You know, there were stretches where it was Belmar and Calvert and Nichushkin that were dominating, that were picking their game up and doing work. Now it's we've seen this Katri line was was arguably their best line before the break and certainly has been their best line in the two games out of the break. And with a fourth line that's just kind of right now existing, it's not it's not bad, but it's not producing much. And they they really need something, right? And yeah. to have this is what you got Kadri for, and certainly this is what you got Burakovsky for. But to have that that second banana, and it was just a perfect example of what Colorado's front office envisioned when they put this group together. Okay, these guys aren't going fine. These guys will come and dominate a game. How many times last year did we see non? Abs first line dominate a game, not like play well and contribute. And I don't mean games that got taken over by defensemen. I mean, a second line that dominated a game. Essentially never. I, I can't. Maybe there was one game where Soderberg had a three point night or I'm something, but totally confident it happened because 82 games it's bound to happen. But this year, we've seen these guys have done it a couple of times. They have been big time. I mean, do you remember the uh, the Florida game in Florida? Like, yep. Kadri and Burakovsky, those well, guys, man. And 
now that they're starting to find a little bit of a uh, little bit of rhythm together. Very scary. Right. I think that's the key is we're talking about at least two players in this with Soderberg in previous years. It was kind of just Soderbergh and guys most nights where yeah. Soderberg was the only legitimate second liner. And even that one, you could say, is a bit on the edge. Mm-hmm. Now you have Burakovsky has become a legitimate second line player. Kadri has always been a legitimate second line player. And when you run into teams like a Buffalo who is lacking a little bit of depth, you can just punish them time and time and time again. Yeah. By this, matching up the lines, one, one, two, two, all the way down. Well, this is this is where, and I wrote in my um, my my takeaways tonight that this is a great example of where Colorado skill separates them. They weren't dominating this game. They weren't taking it over. They weren't outplaying them. They weren't pouring on shots, doing all this right. Like, they, this was not a process domination. This was Colorado's skill level just ran them into the ground. And the only line that really was, like, really was on fire was that second line. But it was the skill. I mean, you blinked and they were up 2 nothing. Yeah, they were not playing well at all. Grubauer was huge early on in that game. Arguably, Grubauer won that game for them in the first eight minutes. Because yep. this is just a different team when they get the first goal. He doesn't give that up when they're pushing and they come up with, they have their first power play, comes up with a big save, comes up with a couple of big saves at even strength, locks it down. The Avs get, I really don't know what that first goal is with Sam Gerard. I mean, it's something special, that's for sure. When it was happening live, I saw the puck in the corner and I was like, is that the puck? And then Gerard picks it up and shoots it. And I'm like, oh, my God, that just happened. (laughs) That just happened the way I thought it was happening when I was like, no, that can't actually be the way this is. No. And then it did. And it was like, well, poor poor Dwayne from Buffalo. That poor guy. (laughs) He's having a tough go of it this year. Oh, my God. That poor man. Somebody, somebody, please give Dwayne a hug. If you can, if you know who Dwayne is, or if he's on Twitter somewhere, reach out to him and give that guy a hug, because I honestly, I just feel for him. And after watching that Sabres team tonight, I get it, man. We lived through this. I get it. It's it's rough days when those pucks are are going in the back of your net. I. It reminded me of, I'm sure you'll remember this, uh, the goal that Pickard gave up against the Capitals years ago. Nope where it went in behind the net and no one on the abs knew where the puck was. No one on the capitals did either, except for Orlov and Orlov just rolled in behind. the Oh jeez, Yes. I remember this. Yeah. Picks it up, walks out in front of the net and throws it into a wide open net. Cause everyone is just standing around thinking the puck went out of play or something. So that's kind of what it felt like. Just freak play where, Nobody knows where the puck is. Sam Gerard sees it, goes and gets it, and the Buffalo Sabres are too busy trying to murder JT Comfort in front to care, I guess. I don't really know how that goal happened, but I do know the Avs never looked back because Andre Burakovsky might have the best wrist shot on the team, like legitimately. And McKinnon's a great shooter and all, but 
that guy puts it bar down almost every single time he shoots the puck. All right, well, Mike difficulties happen sometimes, but it doesn't change the fact that... <laughs> Mike this... difficulties? Yep. It just randomly stopped recognizing my microphone. Sure, sure. Whatever you want to call it. Issues happen, but this game was not an issue for the Avs, and that is brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. I'm sitting here drinking an Avalanche Amber Ale, which I ran out and got specifically so I could have one for this podcast. Not going to lie to you about that, but it's always nice to drink a victory beer, especially one with the Avs name on it. After a win like that, you can keep an eye out for your Breckenridge Brewery favorite type of beer, be it the Strawberry Sky, their new Mile High City, if you're a Nuggets fan, or just, you know, whatever else there is. I don't even know what their new seasonal is because they always have one. So you'll find it at your local liquor store, or you can check out the Breckenridge event calendar where we have all of our DNVR events planned. We do want to do one, actually. We should ask the pod this. We're planning on having some type of impromptu meetup around the stadium series game because we've had a couple of people reaching out that want to hang out with AJ and I. So uh, what do you guys want to do? Should we do it the day before or the day after? Where do you guys want to go? Let us know and we'll swing by and do something just to say hi and watch some random hockey or something, even if it's not the abs. But anyway, let's get into the second period of the DNVR abs podcast presented by Davidson's AJ. Obviously, the forwards were absolutely excellent in this game. I don't think there's any doubt about that. We got into Burakovsky at the end there. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the defense as well. And more specifically, second half Nikita Zadorov. He just seems to become an offensive juggernaut somehow. <laughs> yeah. Second half Zadorov. Uh is is like cool as it is and like as fun as it's going to be to enjoy if that's if it's this is going to continue to be a thing you can't take 50 games every year to get to where you need to get definitely too long you can be a slow starter making it to the halfway point of the season with less than 10 points is way more than a slow start you be a slow starter but by december you got to be in <clears throat> you got to have it going on for and sure like, there have been it's 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 sort of like it's not to say he's but he's been like terrible or useless or anything like that this year cuz by no means but that dude he's very frustrating because when we see him at his best he looks like just a monster and then you know you just don't see it very often and when he starts to to chip in offense Boy, it makes such a huge difference because it's no longer about, well, he defends the blue line really well and guys dump it in and, uh, you know, whatever. It's he becomes that two way guy. Right. That can make positive impact plays for you in all three zones with the puck, without the puck, physically, whatever. It's it's honestly it's it's crazy to me man, that. When he gets going, he looks so good. But him finding that level just seems to take such a long time. Yeah, I I do think that's fair. And the thing about Zadorov is I feel like his defensive game came online early enough. We've talked a lot about how he, he has kind of been specialized in this role of shutting down a specific player. Did a pretty good job of it against Jack Eichel in this game as well. but. There are always those 
brain fart moments that he has in the defensive zone at times. And if all you're doing is defense, you can't have those. It's it's that simple. When you're producing offensively, that's how you can kind of overlook that a little bit. So that's where I think it makes a big difference for him specifically. But the abs continue to get production from all over the place on their defense. Obviously, the weird Gerard goal. Graves also had an assist on that. McCarr had an assist later in the night. They showed a graphic on altitude that the abs have the most points of any team out of their defense. So it's a I mean, big part of how they produce. Yeah, it's not surprising with the with the surprise years that we've seen out of uh, Cole and and Zadorov. You know, the depth, the the depth on the D scoring has just been crazy. Kale McCarr's got 38 points. Sam Gerrard, I think, matched his career high tonight with his 27th. And then Cole has 23 and Graves now has 20. You know, and I think Zadorov and Johnson combined are right about 20 as well. So that they're like leading the league in D scoring is just not that surprising to me. Yeah, but I mean, they, they've gotten contributions from all these guys up and down. The, the crazy fair. part is, is that I, Eric Johnson is last. He's sixth out of six regulars. I <clears throat> did not see that coming. If that if the if the season finishes with that being the case, I uh, did not see that coming. I mean, I didn't see it coming either. A reduction in points from Johnson isn't that surprising. What's surprising to me, even more so, is that EJ is sixth in points on the defense, and that's perfectly fine. The rest of the Avs defense has absolutely picked up that slack. Will it continue? I mean, there's some pretty skeptical point numbers happening for guys like Ian Cole. Yeah, and like you can look at Ian Cole's and you can be like, okay, let's just start with primary points. And then you see that and you're like, oh, okay. Like, you know, when you look at that one, you're just like, oh, nope, we're good. Yeah. So a little bit of that going on to a certain degree for sure. But again, it's the Avs have entered this new era or ability to do this this season of just rolling their entire lineup and yeah this game was a total blowout sure whatever they had five of their six defense no all six defensemen played over 19 minutes in this game Mm -hmm. so they literally just roll the pairs don't even worry about situations don't worry about oh this guy or that guy's on the ice they can just throw guys out there and be just fine it's yeah, there. So, uh, we talked about this before the show, but I think it's a good time to transition into this conversation, though. That yeah. they they might, <clears throat> as much as it it's worked, and on a night like tonight, when you see it working, it looks it looks just fine. And there are nights where it looks really good, but then you look at the Philly game. Two of the three pairings were really humming, and the one pairing betrayed all of that yep. with an atrocious night, and. Those nights are going to happen. That's natural. But it's the the fact that I think they're stuck. Because Cole and Zadorov have, I think both are probably third-pairing defensemen at this stage in their careers. Uh, we've seen both guys get played more than that. And there's always struggles, right? Like, it's it's always a back-and-forth battle where sometimes they play really well, but other times they give games away. On the third pairing, 
since they've gotten together on that third pairing and they have third pairing usage more often than not, I really don't, I don't, I don't remember any games off the top of my head, which is a terrible indicator, obviously, but I don't, I don't remember them giving games away. You know, there have been some mistakes like the, the Zadorov giveaway in the Detroit game that got that one going, but they came back from that. And I just, I don't remember any games in which both of them have badly struggled together. And so, yeah. hey, that's a really good third pairing. Most third pairings around the league are made up of guys who are just clinging on to NHL jobs. Almost every team has a guy that plays for them regularly every single night that is a borderline NHL player. In Colorado, that is not the case. And with that, I their top pairing, Gerard and Johnson, how do you feel about them as an actual top pairing? It's like 85% of a top pairing. <laughs> I, probably, I would probably say like seventy. I I give them a but, little more credit credit than that, but but I think that as top pairings go, like it's not one of the better ones in the league. Definitely, you're ba- It's like you're playing two number twos. You don't really have a number one there. Yeah, but it's where your depth picks it up, right? Like their third pairing is probably top ten, maybe top five in the league with Colin Zadorov. Their second pairing. Graves and Makar, you really don't know on any given night because it can be, we've seen it be both spectacular and god-awful. And really, Gerard and Johnson, since Gerard's weird puck hiccups that took place during the month of December have have disappeared again, and, and he's gone back to being the same Gerard we're, we're comfortable with. Yep. They are a middle-of-the-road, bottom-half top pairing. But you make up, you make that up on the other end with a second pairing that any given night can be very, very good, or a third pairing that has reliably shut teams down and well, very, and very infrequently gives up uh, goals against. I just to get back to the problem where you're talking about the abs being stuck. Yes, you have Graves, Zadorov, and Cole. I think are all realistically third pairing defensemen right now. And right now it happens to be Graves playing with Makar in the second pair, but you play any one of them, and they're perfectly capable of playing second-line caliber on any given night. They're also going to have disaster nights. And that's where the problem sneaks in, because they don't have that guy that they can really put next to Makar as someone extremely reliable, because Kale Makar, as great as he is, is a rookie that's going to have off nights. And... They can't shelter him when that happens. He's just going to have to face the music at times because they can't really afford to bring someone down from the top pair because it's already a bit dicey as a top pair. Yeah, and this is like the thing that you can't address via trade. I mean, you could. like, But not realistically, because how many times do top pairing defensemen get traded? Right, and even if it was on the market, it cost you a fortune. Right, and like the Avs don't like the Avs can afford to do it, but it would be a really weird decision because yeah. you do. I mean, you have <laughs> the top pairing is coming. You just right. have to trust that Makar is going to get there. Byram is coming in the future. Things like right. that. Like Byram will be here in a year, and you've got to trust that he hits the ceiling. Yep, pretty much. 
I don't know, man. They're in a weird spot because this year is not irrelevant. Going for the cup this year matters. You've got four years with Nathan McKinnon on a sweetheart contract. You've got to make every one of those four years count. Well, especially if they go out on the deadline and get a one-year rental, it's it's a bit of a clashing of things because they got the one year to win right now, but then they have this defense that they're saying, wait until next year when we get all of our moving pieces. So the abs are stuck, right? Can they do that? Yeah. It, should they? Is that a reason that they should target someone on a multi-year deal or an RFA like Akasha? Um... I don't know, man. It's a tough question. I mean, I imagine if you did, the Avs would want to hire you. So, <laughs> If I knew for sure, yeah, they would probably be interested in that. So. I'm, I don't know. That's tough. I just, I'm, I'm struggling with the idea of how to improve this year's team without sacrificing too much future that you look back and you're like, oh, man. Why did they do that? Yeah. While also understanding that there are very, very good players and potentially high-end players who are on the way. It's uh, it's legitimately difficult to balance that aspect of the game. The Abs haven't been this good as a team in a long time. It's It's been many years of... They always have room to bring up the, the high-caliber prospects. Now that's getting tighter to actually do. Yeah, it's it's I mean, we talk about this all the time. How do you how do you get them in involved in your NHL team while also competing for a cup? But I mean, if you're if you're looking to try and, you know, the deadline coming up, tonight was one of those nights you don't want to make too much of it cuz it's against a terrible team. But tonight was one of those nights where you're like, I don't really need a forward. I don't really need any help there. But if you base your needs off of your absolute best nights, you're probably going to have a pretty skewed view of what your team looks like. Yeah, I I would say, to say the least, it's the point of going out and getting another forward or something like that is to have fewer of your off nights. You're adding consistency by adding another weapon. Yeah. So... It's definitely a conversation that we will continue to have over the next couple of weeks, I have no doubt, but we'll get out of this second period for now, and you guys know we're all about supporting local businesses, so we're excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company, and no, it's not condoms. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects, and they have been since 1972. They make everything under the sun out of rubber, but specifically, especially with the weather this past couple of days, is they can pre-slot and cut to size just about any snowplow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for exact mounting specifications. They even have it double-sided, so when you use up one side and it wears down, just flip it over and you have a brand new blade good to go. Denver Rubber Company is all about looking after the people, and just like us, their loyalty is to you guys out there. You can buy for yourself and, of course, buy bulk at a fantastic rate. Give them a call at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr. 
third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Rudo and AJ here. AJ, the Avs won this game 6-1. to one. Buffalo did not take a single penalty, at least not one that was called anyway. So the Avs dominated at 5-on-5, five five, and I think a lot of the story of this season has been the Avs being the better team at 5-on-5. Five five. First of all, how important is that? And I know it's hard to do at any given time during the season, but are there any teams you would rank better at 5-on-5 five five than the Avs right now? Better? At, and and look, and at their absolute best, assuming the teams are playing well, and it's not like Slump City for some of these guys, like Gabe Landeskog. Sure. Um, the only the only teams that I really like to hang with Colorado five v five up and down the entire lineup. Um, St. Louis, Tampa Bay, Washington, and Pittsburgh. All teams in the top five of the league, right there. So I, I would also consider Boston, except the Avs have played them very, very well the last couple of years. Yeah. They always seem to beat them pretty yeah. solid. And like they're they're they lost to Boston in Boston last year, two uh, one in an overtime game in which, um, you know, goaltending was spectacular. But otherwise, they've beaten them in Denver, uh, beaten them badly in Denver, and uh, they went to Boston this year and had their way with the Bruins. So, yeah, I, I, Boston's very good, but I think the Avs. We've seen it head to head. The Avs can just smoke them. All of those teams. They crushed Washington earlier in the year. They crushed yeah. Tampa Bay earlier in the year. Pittsburgh has given them some trouble this year, to be fair. Yeah. But St. Louis, Louis as well. Two OTLs to Pittsburgh. So it's not like, it's not like, yeah, Pittsburgh won both games, but they, oh, they dominated or anything. Like, it was two overtime games. Yep. And then the Avs scored on themselves to win. Yeah, that was, that was brutal. So it's, yeah, it's, you know, and like with Washington, like, We'll see what happens when they come into 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 Colorado and Tampa Bay. The Abs destroyed them, but this is a different Tampa Bay right yeah. now. When they were taking the first two months of the season off, exactly. sure. they were trying they were trying to switch flip thing where they were like, "We'll play 500 hockey for three months." Come January, foot on the gas. Yeah, they they put the foot down pretty hard too as of late. So yeah, they're nasty, man. I'm really excited to see them in Denver just to see what the Abs look like because. When they match up, like that gives you, that's a barometer. That's one of those games where you're saying, all right, well, how do they do? Yep. Because we're looking at Colorado's only struggles this year have been against the Central Division. Otherwise, they've handled the Pacific. They've handled good teams out East. They've handled, I mean, they're two and two against St. Louis. Um, They are, I think they are, let's see, they destroyed Vegas twice and beat Vancouver. Uh, and then they were one and one against Edmonton. So those are the yep. top three teams in the Pacific. And they haven't, they just haven't played the bottom teams in the league very much, but they've handled their business against them as well. You know, they beat Detroit, they beat Buffalo, they've got Ottawa coming up. They went two and zero against New Jersey. They lost the Rangers game, but, you know, they beat San Jose the one time. So they've handled their business against everybody against, against except the Central. And really, I say except the Central, and it's Dallas. Dallas, specifically. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's Dallas, where they went 0-2-2, and, and then Minnesota, where I believe they're 1-2 and two this year. Yep. 
but they'll get that crack, unfortunately, on the second half of a back-to-back coming up soon. Yeah. Woohoo. So, which, I mean, this feels like a big win for the Abs winning in this style because I talked about this a little bit the other day as well. There is no more breaks. There's one two-day break that the Avs have left in the rest of this season. It's in and, three weeks. And it's in three weeks. Yeah. So I counted you, it up tonight and put out the picture on uh, on Twitter of the March schedule. 16 games, 15 days off. That's So it's going to come fast and furious. And when you have games like this, when you have a young team like the Avs that can get rolling, it can be a good thing. They can continue to keep the momentum going through a lot of this stretch, especially off a game like this. This was, well, given how the Philly game was, this was the perfect get right game and they took advantage of it. They had two days off. They had a bad team. They had a bad team on that sinking. And funny how, uh, I I just think that this is interesting, but funny how we didn't hear anything about the abs getting goalied by a bad, a bad goalie uh, tonight. And like, cause it's like, the abs birthright right like people like that's one of those things that we talk about with the abs is that bad goalies always seem to play their best against colorado carter hutton sucks and the abs treated him like that you know i actually had a funny thought when they pulled hutton and they were like this will be this johansson guy's first ever nhl game i was like well if they started him the abs would have lost well and then the first shot that he faces goes in yeah right (laughs) and it was like okay that sucks I'm fine with this. Yeah. Welcome to so, the show. I mean, you got to enter it somehow. And when you're playing for Buffalo, that's probably how it's going to go down. Yeah. <laughs> so that uh, a team like Buffalo are the ones that the Avs have to win in the second half. I think it's a good point to make. Yes, they've taken care of business against bad teams, but there's a handful of tough losses that the Avs had in the first half. That is the reason they're eight points behind the Blues. Yeah, and really, like, just quickly, um, it's really the uh, Carolina-Chicago Minnesota-Dallas, those four games. Um, that happened in a five-game stretch at the end of December. And I guess if you wanted to even include the Jets game on New Year's Eve, just because Colorado outplayed them so thoroughly, that losing that game sucked. But it was really those four games. And when you're eight points back, you know, they had late, they had third-period leads against Carolina, Chicago, and Minnesota, and, and well, and Dallas. Um, but you know, the Carolina one, it's a one goal lead with three minutes to go. You've got to, you've got to at least get to overtime on that. The Chicago game is inexcusable. You're up there. They suck. And we don't need to relitigate those, but those, those four games, five, if you want to include Winnipeg, those are the ones that stand out as the bad stretch of the season. Not even the Oh, four and one that happened in the beginning of the year. Um, but that those those couple of games there because they had them they had them won and just couldn't close. Yep, and you can't go back and change the past. Nope. We all know that, but you can learn from it and say, look, the Avs are about to play a bunch of teams that they should beat. They have to put the battle down and get the job done. Yeah, and you look at their schedule, man, and 
Like, I didn't even realize it when posting their March schedule, but it's like March. Detroit, Anaheim, San Jose, the Kings, yep, the Rangers. They have one of the easiest second half schedules in the league. Like San Jose, Montreal, Minnesota, Winnipeg. <laughs> A lot of non-playoff teams, we'll put yeah, it that way. Well, and then like the the good teams on their schedule. They've got Vancouver twice. They've got Edmonton, uh, Nashville twice, Arizona, and we don't even know how good Nashville is. Vegas. But like with Vegas, it's like they've destroyed Vegas twice this year. Do you really feel they're like they're that good of a team? I don't know. So their their schedule coming up, man, it's really they've got a chance. And like this road trip, after they lost to Philly, who's the only like good, 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 good team on this trip. Um, no offense to Columbus, who I think is solid, but they're just getting outrageous goaltending right now. Um a three and two on this trip, I think is acceptable, but you have to beat Buffalo, Ottawa, and then you've got to split the Columbus, Minnesota thing. You'd love to beat them both, but knowing that Minnesota's just hanging out, waiting for you. Yeah. And you're playing, feels bad. Yeah. And like it's, it's the rested and it's blah, blah, blah. And we've seen the abs have not been good in that situation this year. Teams typically aren't no big surprise. So, yeah. You know, and then and then they're going to come home and they have a tough homestand coming up. Uh, they've got a five game homestand that's going to be uh, it's going to be nasty, man. But they there are enough bad teams scattered in that they should still be on the winning side of things. They continue to take if they continue to take care of business against bad teams, they will make the postseason easily. I mean, to be honest with you. I, maybe it's looking a little bit over the hill, but I don't. I'm not worried about the Abs making the postseason at all. I'm not either, but it's still a conversation apparently because my mentions tell me it, and because that's the that's the reason why I continue to address it and frame it in that way. The Abs are seven points up on Nashville and Chicago um, for falling out of the last playoff spot in the Central. The Pacific Division doesn't matter in this case. So until those teams get closer, I'm not too worried about it. Uh, and the fact that the abs are going to have plenty of games against Nashville, Winnipeg and Minnesota going down the stretch. I'm cool. I'm like not, I'm not, I'm not too concerned here. Yeah. So uh, when you put it that way, the, the gap to first in the central is eight points with three games in hand currently. Yeah. So they, they feel a lot closer to the blues than they do to anyone out of the playoffs. Yeah, it's true. Um, I mean, even if you even if you just go two and one in those three games in hand, you're four points back. Yep, exactly. And they With have the head to head remaining. Sorry. That's... Right. No, you're good. Uh, they have at least one game in hand on every team in the West, by the way. So after not playing for a month, yeah, you don't play for 11 days. That happens. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. So uh, look, I, there are really very few negatives to take away from this game at this point. They came into Buffalo. They destroyed them. They did exactly what they needed to do to respond to Philadelphia. And now they can go on for the rest of this road trip. And and like you said, they need to win this game against Ottawa, get it to two and one, and then the back-to-back is what it is. So Abs have put themselves in a good spot as they tend to do this season. They've given themselves opportunities to gain ground on other teams or make distance between teams behind them. It's just a matter of executing and consistency. Mm -hmm. Always comes back to the consistency for this team. 
Definitely. And they've been more consistent than we've given them credit for just because we've laser focused on the two bad stretches that they've had. For sure. They had very, very consistent stretches of hockey. And I'm not talking about the, you know, they started the season eight, one and one. That's probably a little bit swinging in the other direction as well. And really like you kind of cut first month, month and a half's results. You're just like, yeah, you hope they're good for points reasons, but those aren't like, those aren't predictive. Everybody's so, so, so loose still that anything can still happen. I mean, you look at Dallas, they were like, what, one and seven or something to start the year. So it even when you look at some of these stretches well, that we've talked about as bad, that loss in overtime to Dallas mm-hmm. uh, in January, throughout January, they were above 500 as a team because they closed it out strong by beating San Jose, St. Louis, and Detroit. Mm-hmm. So they've been able to keep that certain level of consistency. And the big thing for me is that in what I think of as like big games, they they have stepped up pretty well and been competitive. Yep. They when they absolutely need it, they can pull it out of the bag, get that win that honestly through December and January of last year, we just didn't see that big game seemed to come three or four times and they just kept torpedoing down towards the basement and they did eventually pull it out. Obviously, they made the playoffs last year, but. Well, and when you lose those games, it just makes future games even bigger. Right. And so it makes it more stressful. It puts you in that situation more frequently. And it becomes a snowball effect where you have to do something like go 8-0-2 in your last 10 games. Because I'm not counting the San Jose game 82 where they had clinched. Like, it, it forces you to have to do something crazy at the end of the season like that. Right now, they have avoided putting themselves in that position. And I told you going out of the break uh, that I feel like the Abs have like a 13-2 and two kind of run in them to really nail down that playoff spot and not have to talk about this. Yeah, I, I again, I think you're almost looking at the opposite effect, right? If the Abs have that crazy run, you're talking about them winning the Central instead of just getting in. Right. And that's that's the conversation they're focused on. If you talk to an abs player, they're like making the playoffs. Like, girl, please, we're making them. It's chase down St. Louis. That's what yep. they want to do. They want to chase down the Blues. So they have a target they're gunning for. Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, I can live with that unless you got any final thoughts, AJ. Um, Vote on the uh, movie bracket. Don't forget we have that going on. Yeah. Get on that. Um, I think all the hockey movies made it through round one, actually, just barely for a couple of them. Yeah. Um, keep that up. It's always fun when hockey fans can remind other fans who the who the most passionate kid on the block is. Amen to that. Except for Mighty Ducks are playing Goon, so that's a tough one. But either yeah, way, and like, and then what? They could uh, they could end up with Mystery Alaska in the next round. Yeah, let's do that. That's true. That's true. There you go. So get on our, our movie vote. I we'll all be talking about it as well. I think AJ did some pods today on a couple of them. I'll be on some later in the week. So I talked about uh, Goon versus the Mighty Ducks with Drew Greisman. Uh, I will also be doing He Got Game and Miracle tomorrow morning. And then I will be doing sports movie speeches on Friday with Drew as well. There you go. So sports movies are awesome. Be sure to check out all of that as well. 
But that's going to do it for us on this one. As always, thank you for listening, and you will hear from us again tomorrow. The Green Solution has 17 Colorado locations for you to use, and you can use their express checkout to get in and out as fast as possible. Go online to mygreensolution.com to order whatever you need, and you can use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase.